0: What's up guys, it is Michael Hunter, this is the ACC Basketball Report, episode number 81, I believe. Um, You can follow me on Twitter at ACCBR1, ACCBasketballReport.com, and uh, you know, just uh, checking in after a long, tough weekend, Um, watched a lot of basketball, watched a lot of good games, some of the more shocking things I saw this weekend was the way that Butler absolutely handled Florida yesterday up at Hinkle. Um... Boston College going into Purcell Pavilion and getting a win uh, against Notre Dame was something that I absolutely did not anticipate. Um, NC State had a little bit harder of a time with Wake Forest, I guess, than than I originally anticipated. And then, of course, you know, the cherry on top for the weekend is a Syracuse team that is not very good. Um, Goes down to Atlanta. Um, G-Tech favored by three in that game. They lose by... 34 points at home um, after the game. Josh Passner, inexplicably with a grin on his face at the press conference, just made my blood boil. I watched about the first 13 minutes of that game and I had to shut it off because it was just so incredibly frustrated watching these guys play and how they just came out flat. And it's something that I I said it on Twitter yesterday. You kind of get used to. You get used to. Josh Pastner team's coming out flat. You know, they did it against NC State. They got in the hole. They did it against Elon, where they look like crap. You know, Bethune-Cookman, they look like crap. Um, They were able to pull out those wins. But yesterday, Syracuse just poured it on. Um, Today, uh, you know, watched you know Clemson be up on Florida State at the half. And then in the second half, Devin Vassell kind of really took over, both defensively on the glass, uh, made some big shots. MJ Walker had, you know, moments today. And I think the biggest thing that happened today for Florida State was that they decided to go a little bit smaller. Um, You know, Raekwon Gray playing the five, Patrick Williams playing the four, and then you got Forrest Vassell and MJ Walker. And that that really seemed to work against the Clemson team that also runs small with Amir Sims playing at the five. Tevin Mack is starting to regress back to the mean a little bit after starting the season, you know, pretty hot, I think. And, you know, just kind of getting back to – You know, a little bit of inefficiency, I guess would be the best way to put it. Um, They did get uh, the Bear Kid back, which is good. I thought he was going to be gone for the entire season. So that's going to give them, uh, you know, some more depth, some more quality depth. I actually like him as a player. Um, Hunter Tyson struggling from beyond the arc. Uh, Kayvon Moore is yet to put it together uh, as far as his career goes. So, you know, I kind of like this Clemson team a little bit as far as the future goes. But right now, they're just not. Um, not where they need to be. I have no idea what that is, but something just popped up on my screen for, and started playing some audio So um, I you know, the other game that I watched today, I, I guess the biggest takeaway I have is is for states top 25 team And that's that's basically all it is. We've had them in the top 25 on the rock 25 for a couple weeks now and I think they're a little bit inconsistent. I guess would be the best way to put it. But I think they're going to figure it out. MJ Walker, I think, is the key. I think at this point, you know what you're going to get out of a cell and Forrest, But for this team to actually be an upper an upper level team, a team that can can maybe uh, be a threat as far as like winning the ACC tournament, things like that. You know, MJ Walker's going to have to put it together. I think Patrick Williams is is fantastic. He's one of the most athletic guys in the entire conference. But I, again, MJ Walker needs to at least figure it out to be. Someone who can be relied upon to knock down the open three And you know I think we're we're past All the super athletic High ceiling you know Five star prospect talk you know me and Sweeney Kind of got with that last week In their discussion with the ACC Big Ten tournament uh, Big Ten challenge We're we're past that now I mean MJ Walker If you can just hunt corner threes And hit open looks and stretch the floor and give those guys Room in the paint then you're doing your job And Florida State's going to be a better team for it Uh, Today watched Uh, North Carolina go to Virginia and basically Get dismantled 56-47 The score Not indicative of of the way This game was played Virginia was basically Up 7 or 8 for the entire time Cole Anthony really couldn't get it going Armando Baycott looked looked good in spurts uh, Had a little bit of foul Trouble can't make free throws Uh, You know Carolina You know we've said uh, you know so Far this season Virginia's biggest heel is they can't shoot the ball Well Carolina one for fourteen from three today. So you know Cole Anthony tried to put this team on his back, but at some point, and I'm going to talk about this with Regan as well with Bobby. Uh, by the way, today Barstool Regs on the episode. Really excited for me. So um, I, you know it's just Cole Anthony. He, he's really good, but what else do they have? I mean these these transfers aren't stepping up. They're not. They're they're not really giving Carolina and Roy Williams kind of what they anticipated. Um, Coming into the season, we thought Keeling would be a three-point guy. Pierce would give them, you know, some offense. Neither one has really happened. They did get Jeremiah Francis and Anthony Harris back today. So maybe going forward, those guys will be able to help out a little bit. Uh, As far as everything else, Louisville predictably dismantled Pittsburgh um, on Friday night in a game that, you know, 64-46. You know, Pitt, I thought, you know, high upside team could get into that 6-7 range in the ACC they do have some wins against some some high you know some some power six conference teams, but it just looks you know Xavier Johnson doesn't look like the player he did last year. I didn't think he looked better in this game, but still um, you know five turnovers, two assists. It's just it's it's not there. Um, you know I, I I wrote an article and and put on the ticker for for better IQ. That Trey McGowan's plays terribly on the road. You know he's a fade, strong fade in this game. You know he goes down to uh, goes to Louisville, two freight from the floor, 0 for 1 from deep, three assists, three turnovers, scored four points in 31 minutes. So, you know it's it's kind of predictable at this point. Um, McGowan's has been awful on the road in all 13 true road games that he's played in college has been. Pretty bad, so something to fade in the future. Um, I think Louisville looks good with uh, you know Malik Williams getting back into the fray. He came off the bench, scored thirteen, had uh, eleven rebounds, so nice double double in just twenty minutes for him. You know the addition of him kind of relegates Iggy Hun back to back to the bench. Um, they also got David Johnson back a couple weeks ago. He's only playing a few minutes a game though. They're kind of bringing him back slowly, and he hasn't looked all that great. So you know Ryan McMahon, Darius Perry is actually playing. Better than I ever anticipated. Still a little bit turnover prone. But, you know, McMahon's shooting the shit out of the ball. Darius Perry's playing well. Fresh Kimball's coming off the bench. Didn't really give him a hole yesterday, but they didn't really need it. So, <clears throat> that's kind of the rundown of the last three days. Right now, um, and I talked to this with Riggs as well, I, I think this team looks like like a five-bid, I'm sorry, this league looks like a five-bid league. Um, maybe six if NC State can, can kind of, you know, put some quality wins together. But... This league is just, it's it's soft. It's real soft. Miami's not that good um, despite the win against Illinois. Um, NC State has looked okay at times. Notre Dame losing at home to Boston College is, is brutal. Syracuse, even though they would go to Atlanta, they I mean, they just shot the shit out of the ball. Elijah Hughes was unconscious from the tip. I think he had four threes in the first five minutes of the game. Virginia Tech, uh, Riggs and I are going to discuss that a little bit here. But, you know, Wake Forest, Clemson, Notre Dame, Miami, Georgia Tech, Pittsburgh, Syracuse are all bad. They're, they're bad teams. Um, I think, you know, Virginia Tech is an interesting one. NC State's an interesting one. I think they're bubble teams. But I don't see any of those bottom six teams, just, you know, in, unless something drastic happens, unless the light bulb really clicks, I, I don't see any of those teams as – as postseason contenders as far as the NCAA tournament goes. I think uh, Notre Dame could be an NIT team. I think Georgia Tech could be an NIT team. Miami could be an NIT team. Um, Pittsburgh has the talent, but they just – there's something missing. I'm not really sure what it is, but I I think Kareem Koulibaly needs to be playing more. I will say that. Um, I like the Champagne kid, but – I just they, they they need some kind of toughness on the front court I think. Audi's Tony doesn't really do a whole lot for me either. But uh, you know, Jeff Cable gets paid millions of dollars to make those decisions, so we'll see what happens. Um real quick, Georgia Tech. <clears throat> I've been kind of on Twitter, you know, saying Passner needs this chance, needs the opportunity, give him time, da la la la. Um I'm out. I'm officially out yesterday um december 7th 2019 i'm out i'm ready to, to officially move on i don't care what it costs josh Passner needs to go he's not the answer this this program is not going to flourish under Passner's guidance um can't recruit georgia can't coach an offense i it just i'm done you can't get your team up for a for a league game at home where you're in favor. i i'm sorry you know syracuse is undermatched in that game georgia tech was the better team Georgia Tech had the best player in the game, the best defensive player in the game, and they lost on their home court uh, you know, by 30-plus points when you're favored. And that's just unacceptable to me. I'm tired of it. You know, Between the scandals and the sanctions, the play on the court, the lack of recruiting, I'm at the point where enough is enough and I'm ready to move on. And actually, Riggs was uh, nice enough to, uh, to discuss that with me a little bit as well, and he had an interesting take on uh, maybe who should be the replacement. So I guess... To draw not to draw out this uh this intro any longer, I am now joined by Barstool Riggs, uh Mr. Bobby Regan. Hope you guys enjoy. Farrell the, key, the lane with three on the shot clock. Get it. Five seconds to play. Down the floor, he beat the Riggs, I appreciate you taking the time to join me today. Hey, what's going on? Can you hear me alright? I'm running this through
1: my computer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're good. Cool,
0: perfect. Uh, I just wanted to, uh, you know, welcome you. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I know you're a busy yeah, guy. No your own podcast as well. Um, jumping right in, I guess, uh, first thing I want to talk about, uh, now that we're past Feast Week, we're past uh, the ACC Big Ten Challenge, what is kind of your takeaway as far as the state of basketball as, on
1: a national landscape right now? Um, so th- there's a few ways to look at it. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess I've caught in a lot of uh, you-know-what for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everybody stinks. Yeah. And (laughs) it's not a shtick. Like, obviously, I say everybody stinks, and it's like, not everybody. It's not that every team is bad. It's just, it's a down year for college basketball. And it's a massive down year. And it's fine. Like, It it happens. It's the way that, you know, you lose a bunch of upperclassmen to the draft, slash G League, slash overseas. You have a weaker recruiting class coming in. It's going to happen. Like, we're coming off of a year where, We had an awesome tournament, a really good Virginia team. We're two years removed from probably the best offensive team of the last decade in Villanova. Like, there's... I mean, hell, we're four years removed from a year where we have arguably the best team in college basketball, maybe, history. That Obviously, the 2015 Kentucky team. The same year that Duke won the national title with a loaded class. Wisconsin was loaded. Arizona was loaded. Virginia was really good that year. Um, So... I say everybody stinks and everyone's like, well, that's college basketball. That's false. Like, it's just a weird rotational year where we're going to get this every so often, especially with the new rules and everything like that. Um, So that's kind of where I am. But it's going to make for a really fun year because you just have no idea what the hell is going to happen night in and night out. Yeah, I
0: think, um, you know, it's funny because it seems like every year we say there's a lot of parody. There's a lot of parody. We say that every single year. But but this year, um, you know, I'm involved with, with the Top 25 poll and, like, you know, when I sent it in the other day, I basically, I, I called my poll throwing darts because I, you know, outside of Louisville and Ohio State, who I think are the best two teams in the country, I, you might as well just just throw darts at a dartboard because I, the way we're going to cycle teams up and then they're going to lose and we're going to drop them back, is just, it's craziness every
1: weekend, I think. Yeah, and, and even polls are kind of weird this year, too, because it's like, well, what are you basing it on? Like, do you think that Kentucky figures it out and ends up being a top? four in a month from now, you know, because they're going to have their chance against Ohio State and Louisville. Mm-hmm. Do you think, so do so you rank them for, like, hey, this is who I think they're going to be. Um, or, you know, do like like you said, I, I don't disagree that that Louisville and Ohio State are, should be one and two in pretty much every poll. But mm-hmm. then it's like, well, what do you do with, like, a team like Michigan State? Right. Or, or there's just so much around there, and, and that's why, I'm trying not to get mad at the AP poll this year because um, I think that it's one thing that I, I definitely I will I will say Gary Parish is obviously the 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 biggest proponent of hating the AP poll and blasting with his poll poll attacks column. I, I've had multiple people be like, even before I started writing full time for Barcelona and everything, being like, "No, you were definitely right. Like, you were way ahead of the curve. Of just the AP poll is just the worst." And I think this year I, everyone kind of agrees like no one's really getting mad at day people because nobody, again, you just have no idea what the hell is going to happen. Yeah. And it's, again, it's, it's an awesome, awesome thing. You need this sort of year. Like I talked about it with, I want to say, I talked about it uh, with uh, Rob Doster where you need this sort of year. Or no, it's my Mike Rutherford, you mm-hmm. need this sort of year where ever, it's wide open. You have no idea who's the best team in the country. Like, Hey, you can tell me Kentucky, Kansas, Duke are the best, best team in the country right now, and I'd still be like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, versus, like, a couple years ago, like, with Kentucky and Duke being, you know, Duke last year, Kentucky 2015, whatever, you need that this year of the wide openness versus the one year of just an absolutely historically great team. It, that's, that's what college basketball is kind of built on. Yeah, and, and we just saw it
0: yesterday, which was, I thought Florida was on their way back, and yesterday they just get bitch slapped by a Butler team that nobody was really talking about in the preseason. They were picked, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth in the
1: Big East. And, and Dude, uh, I'm losing so much goddamn money on Florida because <laughs> I can't, I can't shake them. I was, I was all over Florida plus four and a half yesterday. It was the same thing. Like I think Butler's, I think Butler's good. Like they're definitely a, so, a, a good team and, and shouldn't. I say like it's like. Outside of the program, nobody would have believed this. When, like, looking at them, like, wait a minute, they have a senior point guard in Kamar Baldwin. They have kind of, like, the, the Jordan Tucker coming back. They, they, it makes sense why they're good, but I don't know why. Like, everybody kind of missed it in the preseason. Um, but I was, like, still so bullish on Florida. But I'll tell you what, man. Uh, Mike White's completely failing that team. Yeah. And I don't even think that's a hot take. No. No, I think, um, I think I mean, Mike, you, you have White, to embrace I, Mike White, I, wrote a, pace. I wrote a blog a couple years ago. I think it was going into last year. I wrote a blog saying, like, it was essentially talking about how Mike White was the best hire in the SEC outside of John Calipari. Like, mm-hmm. when the SEC went through all those recent, uh, all those coaching changes and, and everybody was being brought in, um, and it was when Mike White landed, I think maybe Trey Mann, mm-hmm. um, and I was just like, man, he's getting stuff figured out down there. Flash flash, fast forward to this time, like, as we're talking right now, I'm like, Mike White has been one of the biggest coaching failures in college basketball this year, if not the biggest coaching failure. Yeah,
0: to put the reins on a guy like Scotty Lewis and make him play in the half court. You know, Keontae Johnson. The entire roster. You know, Noah Locke. These guys, I mean, you get them on the open court, they're going to do some things. And instead, he's got them. I don't even know what they are in tempo right now, but they are slow, slow, slow. And, and I mean, those even guys like, are just... I've had,
1: coaches, I've had coaches tell me that Andrew Nebhard is one of the the best players in transition they've seen and it's no, like no. Oh, okay here's your lead guard and guess what you're making him literally walk the ball up the court. Yeah. But I'm convinced Mike White would get disappointed if they pushed the ball on 3 on 0 fast break. So I, I don't know if you were able to catch the game a little while ago but I just watched
0: two top 10 quote unquote teams um in a in a cliche kind of rock fight I guess in Virginia and North Carolina and yep. I watched the entire game. <laughs> I, you know, I suffered through the first half. I thought Virginia really, actually, for the first time, looked like the Virginia of old in the second half with, with Walter yes, Tensai, yes. you know, hitting some threes. Uh, Casey Morsell's still struggling, but uh, Cody Statman, uh, still a three-point shooter, but not really a three-point maker. He did hit a couple today and uh, had a nice bucket in transition. But I think this is the first game that Virginia actually looked like a top-ten team, and weren't a whole lot to take away from that game
1: other than North Carolina may not be that good. Yeah, so, like, again, welcome every. This uh, this is one of the times I want to take a victory lap, because I tried telling everybody, like, this North Carolina team, in the preseason, they were, what, like, ranked seventh, I think, something yeah. like that? And it's like, no, they feel a lot more like 15, 16, 17. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Cole Anthony, and, and this is my other, like, one of the few times I'm actually correct, and it makes a lot of sense, like, <laughs> dumb brain, is I've compared this team from the preseason to now of, this is what I thought was Oklahoma-Trey Young-Varsity version,
0: mm-hmm.
1: where Cole Anthony and Trey Young were similar, but I like Carolina's kind of role players and secondary players a little bit better than that Trey Young team, which was a seven seed that lost to Rhode Island in the first round of the tournament. very first game of the tournament, actually, too, in, in overtime. But the more I look at it and the more I watch this team, I'm like, uh, they're not better than Trey Young's Oklahoma team. No, no. Because... Cole is still really good. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Like I, I really like Cole Anthony's player, but he's not as good as college tra- as college Trey Young was at, at this stage. And at the same time, like who do you like on that UNC team, man? Well, then, I, they're I, not I getting anything
0: about. out of their transfers. I mean, Justin Pierce, okay, sometimes I guess that. But Keeling has. I'm done glad nothing. you brought
1: that up. I'm glad you brought that up. One of the biggest, I think, uh, overreactions in college basketball that fans and media people do is when there's an up transfer,
0: mm-hmm.
1: people just immediately think that they're going to be the same players they were from the same low major that they transfer from. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, no, no, no. Like th- These these up transfers, when they're at the low major, the offense is centered around them. That's why they're scoring 23 points on like 19 shot attempts right. because they can do whatever the hell they want. They get the ball all the time. Now you're going up into a system against playing high majors night in, night out, and... Like you're just seeing, like the difference in athleticism, the difference in talent. Like, yes, a lot of times these guys kind of fall through the cracks in recruiting and whatnot. But it's also a reason, like they weren't recruited at the same time. Right. And and it was,
0: I think, in in Roy Williams' case, it was he had to backfill the roster because he lost so much from last year's team. Uh, yep. th- they did get a little bit healthy today with Jeremiah Francis and Anthony Harris uh, both getting into the game. Neither one really did a whole lot, but. I I think the biggest, maybe other than Anthony being by himself on the offensive end, is they aren't running like they usually do. I mean, they're they're a little bit faster than they have been in Roy Williams' era, but in in regards to the comparison of the rest of the country, the rest of the country has kind of caught up with their transition style, and and they're they're not ranked as highly in in tempo as they typically would be, and that's because Anthony's bringing up the ball. He's not really pushing the ball. Um, And (laughs) the other thing that I'm seeing is Armando Baycott can't buy a free throw um he's huge nobody can really handle him but you put him on the line it's it's an over two or one for two at best
1: so this is actually the the slowest or i should say the lowest ever length in average possession length in roy williams at mm-hmm. time at unc yep i uh, um I, yeah like <laughs> i like baycott He shoot like you said he's shooting 60 percent from the three from the free throw line 59 mm-hmm. like yeah, that's going to happen. It's, it's a big win in college basketball. It's not, you know, it's not a deck as a bookie, at least. Hmm. But honestly, to me, it's the two biggest things with this UNC team. You mentioned the chance, which, which I agree with, but it's also, Royal Williams kind of rolled the dice on like seven, eight wings, and none of them have really figured it out, right? Like yeah. Pierce, Keeling, Brandon uh, Leaky Black, uh, Brandon Robinson, whether it's injuries, whether they're just not shooting the ball well, whether they're just not finding their world, whatever it is, they're just not figuring it out from the wing spot. And that's so important for Roy Willett system. The other thing, it's like, you're running like Andrew Playtech as like your third or fourth guard. <laughs> right. I mean, Robinson I'm should like, be that guy, but he just can't shoot right now. Right. And, like, the thing is, like, UNC, they've always had a guy like like Andrew Playtech who is the belt, like, whether mm-hmm. it's Luke May, which that's obviously the one extreme. But, <clears throat> hell, like, let's, let's stick with the... Comparison that everyone wants to do white like guards, Bobby Frazier, Wes Miller. You can look back through time, these guys have, you know, rode the pine as a freshman, minimal minutes as a sophomore, more minutes as a junior, senior. They end up like starting. Well, Andrew Playtech does not look like a UNC player. Like, he just does not look like a UNC player. And that's from a strictly talent perspective right now, too. And he has to play 50% of the minutes. So,
0: in 10 days, this team heads to Spokane to take on a Gonzaga team that was maybe a little bit, I don't want to say undervalued because we didn't really know what to expect from them coming into the season. Um, Gonzaga on the year 9-1, and one, currently number 9 in Ken Palm. Carolina's going 2 on a return trip from last year, uh, last season when uh, Gonzaga come to, to Chapel Hill. What, what's
1: your expectation in that game? Um, I mean, Gonzaga should blow them out. And <laughs> I think so. That's just kind of where it is because – like well, think about it. Like the system, or like Gonzaga wants to play fast. Like mm-hmm. they're great in transition. UNC wants to play fast. Well, that favors Gonzaga. Slowing it down favors UNC. But that's not how UNC plays. You want to go to. You can't pound it into the post. Like yes, Armando Baycott. I do like what Armando Baycott gives them. But Gonzaga, they can throw. Uh, I'm gonna put Petrusev on him, Jertini on him, mm-hmm. Killian Tilly like they have so much size and dudes that they can just kind of throw out there. Right. So now what for UNC, you can't rely on three point shooting. You have to go to Spokane where that's a big time home court advantage. Mm -hmm. Um, so like honestly, if Gonzaga doesn't win that game by double digits, I'm a little
0: confused. Yeah. I think, uh, I did a, I did a preview for, for one of the sites, um, Checking out, I mean, this UNC team, like, they looked bad today on offense, but they've been bad all season. I think right now they're at like 0.82 points per possession on the season. I mean, Ugh. they're just incredibly inefficient. Whether, you know, regardless of what their Ken Palm numbers say, you know, as far as adjusted offensive efficiency, this is a very bad offensive team. It's it's Cole Anthony centric and he's had some difficulties you know, with field goal percentage. He's shooting under 40% from field goals. So, Here's the thing.
1: <clears throat> I do think that Roy needs to let him just go full Trey Young. Right? Like, have him have a hundred percent usage rate. <laughs> It'd be entertaining what, for us what, what, if anything. What do you have to lose? Right. Look, at, at this point, you like you. We've already said the, the entire narrative is he doesn't have help, and he doesn't. Cole Anthony's your best player. He might be the most talented player in college basketball. Right. Just let him. Just let him do his thing, and just live with live or die with with Cole Anthony, and. Like, what's your what's the floor if that happens? You're an eight nine seed, probably. Mm-hmm. Like, like okay, UNC's been there before recently. But <laughs> it's not it's not that out of out of the realm of possibility where it's like UNC's an, an eight seed and losing in the second round. We've, we've literally seen that happen. Moving
0: to I guess the number one team in the country now. We'll take a trip to Louisville. Um, I know you're a K- you're a Kentucky guy. They have a matchup coming up at the end of the month. Um, yeah, is Louisville a sustainable number one, or do you think it's going to continue to kind of be a carousel, and what do you
1: anticipate in that Louisville-Kentucky game? Um, I think it's both. Like, I think Louisville's definitely in that top tier of teams. Um, that's the way I kind of like to look at stuff a little bit more now mm-hmm. is kind of tiering teams versus, well, they're number one, they're number two, they're number three, because mm-hmm. it's like, well, what's the difference between one and four right. versus, like, four and ten? Um, or ten and unranked. I think Louisville's in that first team <laughs> right now. What you said? I said or number ten and unranked because I mean
0: I don't know who the number ten right. team is right yeah. now, but Florida's not ranked, and you know they yeah. might be favored in that matchup.
1: Right, right. Um, but I, I like this Louisville team does make sense. Like I think Chris Max, a hell of a coach. I think it's weird that he's at Louisville. I don't, I don't appreciate that he's at Louisville. <laughs> um, because I can't hate him. I, I, I got to know him a little bit at Xavier, and I really like the guy. And he's also just like. I said it before where it's like, it just doesn't feel right. Like him versus Calipari. It doesn't look right, right? Like mm-hmm. Calipari versus Bettino looked right. Up. right. Uh, Penny Hardaway versus Rick Barnes looks right. Mick Cronin versus Chris Mack looks right. Like I, Chris Mack versus, versus John Calipari. I don't know. Something's just not right there. But they have a star in, in Jordan Norrell, obviously, who, you know, he's a, an All-American, whether you think he's National Player of the Year or not, whatever. We'll see how that plays out. They have, they have depth. They're figuring out with like their freshmen. They they do have some stud freshmen. You look like at Single Williamson, um, uh, Aiden uh, Warren, um, uh, Josh Nickelberry. They have guys for that are in this freshman class that I think are, are really good. They have the transfer in Fresh Kimball, obviously. Um, you know they they have shooting like Ryan McMahon, who's somehow still in college, <laughs> is a good enough shooter. I and mean, this team's thirtieth in the country in three point shooting percentage, which if I tell you, you know, hey man, close your eyes and picture Louisville basketball. You don't picture three point shooting, right? You picture them like driving head down to the rim, right? Um, so I think that's a, a major thing. And their defense is good. Like Chris Mack is really good with that pack line of defense. Um, as for the matchup against Kentucky, I still like Kentucky in that game just because it's in rep arena. Mm-hmm. You have the rivalry factor. Like, hey, if Louisville goes in there and beats Kentucky, awesome, like great win for them. I will be a little bit impressed. Uh, you know, I think Kentucky's going to be favored in that game. Uh, when you look at you know, from a gambling perspective, being at home, rivalry game, think you're looking at like Kentucky minus one and a half, minus two, something along those lines, barring that Kentucky just doesn't fall apart be- between now and then. Um, but I'm I can't wait to watch that game. I, I think either team can make a statement in that one. You know, Kentucky has Ohio State before then, so we'll see what happens. But um, this yeah this little team i think is without a doubt my top tier. I, I, it's one team i think that nobody can argue it's there. um
0: i know yeah like i said you're you're a kentucky guy i am a long suffering georgia tech fan. um oh yeah and <laughs> we get to travel to rup um, next weekend uh, as a as a, a, a third party guy looking at georgia tech what is your current take on the josh passner era?
1: i mean i would swear but josh passner would yell at me if i do that. <laughs> um, I like he's just not good. Like he, I shouldn't say he's not good, but like we know who he is as a coach now, right? Like he's not gonna win at Georgia Tech. That's been established. Uh, yeah, all that crazy. Like it's not nearly getting talked about enough. The crazy story of of how Georgia Tech got sanctions. Leave out the shirt club story of Jared Jack and Wendell Carter. That's that's in its own right just a great story, but essentially how. How Josh Pastner was, like, extorted, blackmailed, How you want to view it. I don't know the exact legal term off the top Rip. of my head of what it was. Accused. With a, right, a guy of who he was friends with. And, like, it's one of the crazier stories that just kind of got swept under the rug of everything else going on. But even without that, like, his peak was a bubble team. Like, I don't know. Like, man, you're Georgia Tech. There's not a reason. Like, Georgia Tech should not be good at basketball. Yearning, yeah, they're one of those programs. Like, you don't have to leave the damn city to recruit, right? And and, and he's not.
0: I mean, I mean, his, the best player he's got coming in next year is a guy from overseas,
1: from Europe, <laughs> right? And it's like that's fine. I understand when that happens, but but you're <clears> you're in Atlanta. <laughs> like, just just for, set up the walls around Atlanta as much as possible.
0: And then Tom Craig moves into I'm your sure. backyard
1: and starts just hauling in Georgia talent. Right. And I, you know, I just think we see the peak and it's like, we saw the peak at Memphis. We saw the peak here. Like, he's just not this guy that I think, I think everybody's wrong about him, myself included, where everyone kind of thought like, Hey, he kind of, he has the, the background he was with, you know, he, he went there, he played there, he was under loot, mm-hmm. you know, with Memphis with Calipari, whatever, just never kind of panned out. And that happens. Like, he's only one of those guys that, look like, it's twenty like, I was like Tony Barbie, right? Like mm-hmm. a great assistant coach that just can't, forever, for whatever reason, can't figure out as a head coach. And that's kind of what I think of him. Like, I don't think he's necessarily a bad coach. I think he's a bad head coach.
0: If, uh, if that job were to open up, say, after this season, who do you think that G-Tech should look at as far as – I don't think they're going to have the money to go after, you know, any kind of big-name coach or even, you know, a, a tier down from that. But who, do, who would you like to see get an opportunity and who could succeed in, in that environment in Atlanta? Man, that's a great question.
1: Um, Man, if Ron Hunter didn't take the Tulane Mm -hmm. job last year, I think Mm -hmm. that'd be a guy you'd have to go after. Um, And you still might. I just don't think Ron Hunter leaves a job after a year. Sure. Um, But he would have been a great, great fit there because I think he'd be able to recruit Atlanta, Mm -hmm. um, which is what we just talked about. Um, I would try, honestly... And this might just be a, like a lazy way to look at it. I would try to try to get Wes Miller there. Just pitch him on like, hey, you know, the ACC, mm-hmm. you need a job. Like Roy Williams is going to be at UNC for a while. Because I think Wes Miller just eventually like, takes the UNC job, whatever that opens up. But like, hey, come almost like, almost like Tubby Smith where he went to Georgia and then Kentucky. Like you can leave within the conference, right? Sure. If you left Georgia Tech to UNC, the only people that don't understand that are Georgia Tech fans. Um, <laughs> so, like I, I like West Miller is one of the best young coaches in the country. I would maybe try to just throw all my money at him, um, because again, like, hey, come take your step up. But at the same time, like West might be like, hey, I'm going to UNC Greensboro because this UNC job opens up.
0: Yeah, I think um, it, Pastor's going to be there. Georgia Tech fans have heard me beat this drum before. Pastor's going to be there this year and next year just because of the way his contract reads. Um, I think with Wes Miller, the biggest problem is Wake Forest has long been rumored to be ready to make a play at Wes Miller whenever they can get out from underneath Danny Manning. Yeah,
1: so. The problem is paying Danny Manning $15 million, whatever right, it is. Right. And the I mean, other guy, somebody step What about up. Like Casey Alexander? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um I've thrown out Earl Grant at College of Charleston. Um
1: Yeah. That's not a bad that's not a bad choice. Obviously like <clears throat> your your default press is being like he's in the southern area. Mm-hmm. Um obviously has success at a uh one of the quality mid major conferences. Um I, I could see that one. That's that's not a crazy one where I think like, you know, people would be like, Oh my god, what are they doing?
0: <laughs> right. Um I guess moving out of my, my fanhood here. As a whole, the ACC, you know, we we kind of previewed the ACC in the preseason. We knew it would be a down year. Um, I I don't think that we thought it would be as down as I think it is right now. I think this is, I think it's worse than what we anticipated. And I think right now it's it's a five or six bid league. Do you? How how do you see that as far as tournament bids? Um, And and is there a team that's currently kind of treading water that you think could take a step forward? Um. So.
1: Let's see. You have Louisville, Virginia, Duke,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Florida State, Carolina, maybe NC State as your five
0: six. teams yeah. in. Yeah, who's <clears throat> sixth? So am I forgetting? Uh, I would say NC State would be on the bubble. So, uh, as your sixth, so NC State in the bubble. Tech would probably be a bubble team. Mm. So, um, right,
1: let's let Syracuse, say just because they're perpetually yeah. a bubble team.
0: Yeah. What, what are your thoughts? I guess since you, since you brought up Virginia Tech real quick. Um, are you a believer in what they've shown? Are they the Virginia Tech that, that beat Michigan State, or are they the one? Are they the team that dropped two consecutive
1: games right after that? They're both. They're gonna they're gonna have an impressive win. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, just look at the Duke game. Right. They're gonna look like they the first like the first half of the Duke game, and then the second half. That's gonna be Virginia Tech all year, and that's fine. Like it's Mike Young's system with a bunch of shooting and year one. Like it's just guys learning the new system. You're relying on, a, even if he's a redshirt freshman, Landers Nolly, um, they're going to have games where they look like they can beat anybody in the world. Mm-hmm. They're also going to have games where they lose to Wake Forest. <laughs> and like, They might sum up college basketball as a whole this year.
0: Um, the Duke game is, is interesting. I'm glad you brought it up. Duke is kind of a team that I couldn't believe, first of all, they got Cassius Stanley back so quickly. I thought he was going to be out for a month and he yeah. went back after like a week, but they've, uh, you know, kind of quietly, I don't know how quietly you can be nine and one. Um, but after that Stephen F Austin lost, people kind of wrote them off as not one of the elite teams cause they kind of didn't recover well against Winthrop either, but now they beat Michigan state Virginia tech back to back. Um, they got a few cupcakes before they open up. Um, uh, ACC play again for for the rest of the season. Well, they look good on defense to begin the season. They've kind of fallen back on that a little bit. What's your what's your take on Duke and what, what's their I guess their high end? What's their ceiling?
1: Yeah, I honestly like. I was so down on Duke coming into the year just because I didn't feel like their wings really fit mm-hmm. their roster. Right, like they've all their wings were really good at one side of the ball and then terrible at the other, and they just didn't really complement each other. They're kind of figuring it out, and Vernon Carey has looked like a damn monster. Mm-hmm. Way, like way before I thought. Like I thought Vernon Carey was going to be good this year. I thought he'd figure it out come like right at the calendar change, right at the end of this month, beginning of January. No, he figured it out right away, yeah. and that's been the that's been the biggest thing for him. And the fact that Duke has played through him, right? Like there hasn't been the well. Trey Jones is our experienced guard. Let's get him. Let's get it to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, we got to play through, like, Cash Stanley's a freak, what, whatever, give, give him the ball. No, it's, they're giving the ball to Wendell, or to Vernon Carey, and then letting the offense open up from there, which, credit to guys like Trey Jones for, like, realizing, hey, this is our best, best option right now. I don't know, man, like, I still just don't buy him as this top-tier team. I don't know why, they're just, they just don't look, not that they don't look the part, I just don't trust this roster, but mm-hmm. at the same time, like, There's no roster I trust in college basketball this year. And they're 9-1. They're probably going to be, what, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. They're probably going to be 16-1 when they go to Louisville or when they play Louisville at home because they play Wofford, Brown. And then their ACC schedule will open up is (laughs) Boston College, Miami, Georgia Tech, Wake, Clemson. (laughs) So there's a very, very good chance they are the number one team in the country when they play Louisville. Yeah,
0: uh, and, and it's it's going to be funny because I think they could be 1-2 at that point. And that that representation is not indicative of the entire ECC as a whole. I think it gets very soft and in a big hurry. And I think you're going to see you know, Louisville and Duke at that you know, maybe 17-3, and 16-4 come the end of the season, and then you're going to have a lot of riffraff kind of in the middle. And it's just going to be... You know, yesterday, uh, road teams on the ACC play three zero on the road, which is interesting because you'd think that typically home teams would dominate in a conference like the ACC. But that's not yeah. really that's not really been what's happening so far. I just think this season, as a whole, you know, in the national landscape, is going to be crazy. But the ACC itself is just going to be a dogfight every night. And you, I mean, as far as I got, I know you're you you do the the wagering podcast with with Doster. Um, I, I do some some preview writing for for some wagering websites. I'm prepared to lose my entire bankroll this season because it's so crazy right now.
1: Yeah, because like you said, you feel like, okay, just bet home teams in conference, especially if they're getting points, and you'd feel a little comfortable with that. Well, this week in show, the ACC you can't do that. Like you, it's, this year, Like if you're looking at a gambling perspective, it is as much of a matchup slash spot betting year than anything else.
0: Uh I guess it, it what would who would be as far as the ACC goes I think for me the biggest disappointment so far has been Miami. I had a little bit of a high expectation for them. I thought maybe they could get in that 7 through 9 area and be a bubble team. Is there anybody in the in the league right now that's just underperforming in your eyes than on a severe level? Um Notre Dame I think. Yeah. But- that's a bad loss yesterday.
1: Yeah, and they just, like, I mean, they squeak, they, they squeak out wins against, like, Toledo, Presbyterian, mm-hmm. Marshall. Um, they get blown out by Maryland. But, like, at the same time, this was a team that was so, so beat up last year due to injury. They're all trying to figure out their roles now. You're still relying on a young team. They're injured again. Yeah, comedy so it's like, you just left for the season. Yeah. So, I don't know, like how to really judge them if they are true, you know, if they're a true failure or not, but they kind of feel that way right now. Um,
0: I think that's just about going to wrap it up, man. I, uh, unless there was something else that you were were wanting to talk about as far as anything goes. Um, I think there's an interesting game this, this week with Texas tech going to Louisville, Texas tech is kind of floundering a little bit, um, without Jameis Ramsey. Um, how do you, uh, you know, three in a row right now on, on the skids? Uh, lost to DePaul, Iowa, and Creighton in succession. What's uh, what are your thoughts on that game? A game on a neutral site.
1: Yeah, it's huge. It's huge for Texas Tech to be on a neutral site Madison square Garden, uh, cause Actually, they, wow. Yeah, it's if they have to go to the Yum Center. That's I mean that's an automatic loss for them. But I don't know. Like this Texas Tech team is a little bit of a mess. Like there have been ramblings about. Guy's not really figuring stuff out in practice, and Ramsey's banged up and whatnot. And Listen, you're relying on a top 40 recruit to be the star of your show as a freshman versus, like, how many times we see that happen, right? Like, mm-hmm. and I love Chris Beard. Mm-hmm. I think Chris Beard's one of the five best coaches in the game. But that can only take you so far. At some point, talent still wins here. And Louisville has talent. They have coaching. They have a defense that's going to make them shoot. And Texas Tech really is a great shooting team. So I think that Louisville can like even if Ramsey plays, if Ramsey doesn't, I trust Louisville kinda of shut down like Davido Morete and mm-hmm. and uh and Chris Clark. So I I don't know. I, I just don't I don't know where Texas Tech has an advantage in that game. Um I guess uh
0: <laughs> I, like I said, I appreciate you taking the time, man. Uh, it went a little bit quicker than I originally anticipated, but uh, uh, you know, let everybody know. Everybody that knows me knows you, I'm sure. But uh, I know that you're you're currently writing for Barstool. You've got the Fundamentally Sound podcast. Um, anything else going on in your neck of the woods?
1: No, man. Just doing the podcast, doing doing the blogs every day. So yeah, appreciate you know anyone listening that follows, reads, listens. Definitely appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you taking the time, man. Have a good night. All right, you too. See.
0: You. So that was my conversation with Barstool Riggs, Robert Regan, uh, the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, one of my favorite follows on uh, on Twitter for sure. And uh, you know, the the conversation didn't quite go as I as I anticipated. I kind of like we got to we got about thirty minutes in. And I just ran out of shit to talk about. So it was, it was a little bit awkward at the end. Um, I'm not oblivious to that. And I, I do apologize, uh, to Reeves and, and to you guys. It just, I just, we, we blew through all the topics that I had written down and then I just, didn't really have a great way to end the conversation. So, you know, I I acknowledge the fact that it was a little bit awkward at the end. But again, I I appreciate Reeks taking the time to join me. Um, Again, one of my favorite guys. uh, Fundamentally Sound Podcast one of my favorite podcasts. uh, Him and Doster doing... The, uh, the, the Best Bets episodes on NBC Sports is something that I really enjoy listening to as well. So I appreciate Reeks taking the time to join me. Uh, coming up this week, I do actually have <clears throat> the other side of that. Rob Doster will be joining me, NBC Sports. Um, later on this week, it's going to be a midweek episode, and then next weekend, uh, Jim Root of Three and Weave, uh, Three Man Weave, will be uh, will be joining me next Sunday. So a lot of good guests coming up. Um, I'm again, as I said last week, still working on on Coach Carlton Young, who who has been in contact, and we're we're trying to work out you know a schedule a time. It's probably going to take place after the new year if it does take place. Um, also working on a, a time with with uh uh, Louisville assistant coach Dino Gaudio has uh, has responded and uh, responded that uh, he'd love to join me. So that'll be after the New Year as well. So a lot of good guests coming up. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know some informative, good conversations for you guys. And I hope you guys enjoy. Uh, don't forget like, rate, review, share the podcast. Um, you know, get on, leave me five stars, leave me a review, let me know what I could do better, or maybe any guests that you guys would like to see join me. Um, it's just uh, you know week to week. Um, uh, you know, bringing in guests, hopefully quality guests. Hope you guys enjoy. Um, and you know, anybody you guys want to hear me have a conversation with regarding ACC basketball or just basketball in general, uh, absolutely, uh, let me know, and we'll we'll work on it. But uh, until then, uh, check us out at the Rockin' 25 at uh, Rock101.FM. Every week we release uh, the the new 25, uh, top 25 poll as voted on by some of the best independents in the nation. And I appreciate you guys taking the time to join me this evening. I hope you guys have a great week, and I will see you next weekend. Later.